still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, uh, 48 hours or so after the after the event, after the, the Bristol defeat, how are you now? Yeah, it's still, uh, it still stings. Uh, I think it will, will for some time, but um, yeah, getting over it, being through a kind of rollercoaster of um, of emotions and uh, yeah gee the second uh, therapy session on this on this podcast um, joined by Charlie this time um, yeah it's um, uh, definitely helping to to kind of cool my emotions um, I think and good to be back with you both and Charlie we uh, you couldn't even bring yourself to join us on Friday night but uh, it's great to see you how are you uh, feeling after that shocking defeat oh okay well I've honestly been through so many emotions over the past few days like trying to think about this um so uh, it's been it's been tough. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to it because uh, I I don't think I would have had much more than swear words and sighs uh, to, to bring to the table. But that's, um, the, that, that's the normal normal service, then, is it? <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But um, yeah, I, I I felt like perhaps you know passing by that uh, that last one and I'm surprised you even have me back on now because I mean something's got to change and I thought perhaps giving me a break from the podcast to see if if, if I really am the curse that uh, is causing <laughs> so much misery but um, no you brought me back yeah <laughs> well, I, think, I think those are the management the, the the changes at the top that all these Bath Rugby fans are, are calling for Oh, of course, it's it's me. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 the one. But uh, as I say, I've been through I've been through so many different emotions, Gabriel. I mean, I've uh, I've actually got the seven stages of grief um, <laughs> in front of me. Um, I mean, I, I I did listen to what you boys put together uh, the other day, and you know, uh, at the time I was yeah, I think I was too in uh, in the denial stage pretty early on that no. They, 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 you know, it's, it's it's the players. It's not the coaching staff. Uh, I have now progressed onto anger. So um, uh, the, the, that leaves us with uh, with bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance to come. So it's, there's, there's still there's still a few more weeks to go. Um, but yeah, I, I've moved on to anger, and I I've, I feel like I feel like um, you know chopping somebody. I feel like something has got to happen. Uh, and, and people have actually uh, got to make some tough decisions, be that Stuart Hooper, be that someone above Stuart Hooper. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got to, something's got to change because, yeah, I do think a large amount of it, I'm just going to, I'll carry on. I think a large amount of it, it like it, larger amounts of what's going on is, it's got to fall on the players. Like there's just some like shocking performances going on by people who shouldn't be putting out those performances. I mean, the defence in the midfield was, was was just dreadful. I mean, like the, what summed it up for me was was we just gone into half time. Like the boys are fresh. We come out. Ninety seconds go by. Semi Raj Rada just just scythes his way through with just without anyone laying a finger on him between Tolupe Falatau and Jonathan Joseph, two lions. Like and 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 neither of them, neither of them, especially JJ, who I thought you know you should be chasing back. Like they turn around. 
and they they just seemed to be jogging back like they'd already completely given up on the game and i mean there was still a half of rugby like you've got to turn you've got to you've, it was just a lack of a lack of wanting a lack of hunger it seemed like from for some of the players they, they'd just given up straight away mm. and uh, it, oh that was just what was pulling my hair out i mean there there was no trust um uh, between defenders um i mean Roy McConaughey, who you know, again, I completely agree with everything you were saying. I agree with everything you were saying. We love, we love these boys. Lots of fantastic blokes, but he steps in every single time on, on the wing, and it, it, it just allowed them to break up, break up his flank several times. But that, that shouldn't yeah, be happening. Sorry, Charlie, but what you were referring to there at the start of um, of that incredible round was the the instant reaction emergency podcast that myself and Tom did, um, kind of two hours after. The, the game against Bristol, which Charlie's kind of broken down already. Sure. There. Um, but yeah, if you if you do fancy listening to that, um, a lot of people have got in touch with that to say that it had uh, a pretty cathartic um, effect for them. So do check that out in our feed and hit subscribe as ever uh, to get all the podcasts um, delivered straight to your device. But yeah, so frustrating, Charlie, and, and kind of those that yeah that moment with Semi Randranja where. It was not even like they opened us up with a slick backs move or anything like that. Andy Urim was going to box kick it. And then Rendrandra obviously identifies that. It's like when, when a winger identifies that he's got two props in front of him. It was like Rendrandra identified that he had JJ and Falato. It was like perfect and went straight through them. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was a nail in the coffin. Um, Tom, how, how are you feeling? Kind of Have your thoughts changed since the, the emergency podcast we did kind of two hours afterwards, 48 hours now speaking after the event. Well, I was just going to say on that try, it reminded me of, you know, when you see, um, usually in England camps, the players doing like speed drills when they almost like do a slalom run um, past like plastic players who are like um, uh, stuck into the ground. That's kind of what it reminded me of um, with, and yeah, like you say, JJ and Falatau, the two, um, the two plastic poles that were, that were well and truly rooted to the ground. Um, very very poor yeah I mean you know it. Uh, we went through the game G and and I don't have too much more to say like the, the the difference in the two sides in every department was as stark probably as I've seen for a long time at premiership level um, you look at the statistics and it just makes for grim reading um, particularly when you feel sick honestly particularly when you bear in mind that they eased off in that second half um, you know, uh, it, it was it was it was awful, and I think a lot of the reaction from from us and from um, from fans on social media reflects the fact that it's extra painful against our local rivals, local rivals Bristol. Um, but I think, yeah, looking forward for me, it, it it it's whether or not you think there should be there should be change. First of all, we need to identify what the what the cause is. How can a team win seven out of eight games? Go with with the same squad, same coaching setup. Go into um, the the playoff for the, for the first time in years. Um, perform really well in that season, and then only a, a few weeks later, look so dire. Um, you know, in the in the, the the four or five games, I think it is since the since the playoff, we are it's bar fifty six, and the opposition a hundred and sixty seven. Um, in the process, we, we've just been miles off the pace, and it's. Um, it, I just wondered what 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 your guys' thoughts on I guess to open the discussion. Why and what has gone wrong um, since that playoff game? Um, kind of leave us tenth in the table 
um, and, and floundering and, and kind of looking around and thinking, do, do we need to change? Do we need change at the top level? Oh, I, I, I mean, think, Tom, that it's kind of proved a lot that we were hugely reliant on that first 15. And I think in particular, some areas of that, of that first 15, I think we were particularly reliant on. So I think the front row and those, those, that, that front row together is, was such an important factor, such an important factor. And I think the importance of Stuart and Abano together with Dunn, I think has kind of really shown itself to be true. But I think they were also there at the start of, of this season. So that makes it kind of even more difficult to explain. I don't know whether the boys are tired, um, but I think it's baffling. I think some areas, I think we've, we've, um, we've lost Due to, due to the internationals, as I say, so the, the front row and um, and Sam Underhill, I think, are, are huge losses. But I think a lot of the guys' form has dropped off. So guys like Ben Spencer um, aren't just aren't playing nearly as well. Josh Matavesi aren't playing as well post the lockdown as they are kind of pre the lockdown. And I think it's really difficult to to put your finger on why because, as I say, we we have lost players to internationals, but we were playing this badly before we lost them to internationals. And I don't know whether the guys put so much effort into that uh, post-lockdown period that they run out of steam. And I, I can't explain why we would run out of steam more than other clubs, but it just seems like we have, Charlie. No, yeah, it does. I mean, look. Oh, no, like... We've What's lost gone wrong, mate? What's players. gone wrong? No, What's no sorry, yeah. I mean, we, we lost these international players, and yeah, of course that has an effect. But it doesn't... It, it, that doesn't make the difference of 45 points that we lost by. I mean, the... It, you know, uh, so and they were available at the start of the season. Mm. Like yeah, they were, and and these... not, the personnel, personnel, and obviously coaching. It's not an ex- that's not an excuse because we've had these we've had these guys available. It's been an almost identical squad. Um, so I, for me, and I, I, I just make a point and, and turn this back to you, Charlie. Sorry for interrupting, but I, the for me, the turning point was almost the, the semi-final, so the Exeter game, rather than that that first game against Newcastle. I know Exeter are a top-quality side, but I think we saw almost the birth of what's gone wrong in that game. And, and we mentioned it after the, the podcast. We've just been um, very, very poor, um, both in attack and defence, when we're close to the, the respective try line. Um, and that was a theme that, you know, against Exeter, fair enough, you can kind of accept that. But I think prior to... Um, if we take defence, for example, which I think is the, the bigger issue, prior to the, the, the lockdown part that semi-final, we were one of the hardest, ferocious, most ferocious defensive teams in the league. Um, I remember a game against Northampton at Franklin's Garden um, at the end of August when it was three points to 18 to Bath. We held them out for, uh, and, and it was the first time they hadn't scored in something like two years. And we are on this podcast talking about what a great physical defensive side we are. Now you look at um, the you know the defence from from this season, and it's been the worst in the Premiership, bar none. We've conceded twenty eight tries, boys, thirty percent more than any other side in the Premiership. With some of the defensive names that that we've got, Jonathan Joseph, Sam Underhill, some of the best defenders um, in the world, um, and, and 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 that speaks to two things to me: either um, teams have worked us out. And they know that if they get the ball out wide, we'll likely be narrow and we'll corner flag and they can make loads of yards. But also up front, I think we've been way more easy to break down. Um, and, and there's almost an inevitability about the other team scoring once they get close to the line with that pick and go or more game. And, and, you know, the obvious thing for me, 
and the obvious the obvious gap that we've we've got there is clearly talent um, in, in the players but we have no defensive coach we have no specialised defensive coach as we said on Friday Jean, I, was, I was having a look around the Premiership clubs um, and from what I can see every single club has uh, has a defensive coach so Exeter Julian Salvi Wasps and Costello Bristol do Leicester do um, in fact the only club I could find without one was was our next opponent Harlequins and for me with all the personnel we've got with all the money and resources we've got not to have someone dedicated on defence which is half of the game um, is, um, is 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 a real oversight and that for me is one of the main things that has, has, has held us back this season well definitely and like on that on the, on the defence coach point I think that is where everyone has full rights to be very angry and pissed off at Stuart Hooper because I mean he he is the one responsible for these decisions he puts together a coaching uh, department and he he is he has chosen not to employ a defence coach so for that yes everyone has the right to be very pissed off and it has pissed me off and we're, uh, you were actually the one Tom when I listened to the podcast that properly brought that to, me, to my attention we don't actually have a dedicated defence coach no. and, it, and it blows my mind and he is also the one I mean we, we brought it up on this podcast that he, he's, he's gone into this season full well knowing that we only had one 10 in our senior squad one out and out 10 in our senior squad he, that is, he's responsible for recruitment that decision is 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 his fault, and and you know he he is responsible for all the management that goes on there. Yeah. I what I would love to know is who is responsible for selection because mm. uh, that is such a question. Like why Cam Redpath wasn't starting that game? I I have no idea. I mean it was it was uh, it was highlighted by uh, uh, by Somerset Live um, that uh, I mean. I mean fantastic guy friend of the pods you guys interviewed him last year great guy josh matavesi got he he's he's a he's a ball carrier uh he's physical but when it comes up against steppy defenders i mean he, he got he got um uh kind of picked apart by you and lloyd in that gloucester game towards the end of last season and these guys who can who who, who are steppy and who've got a lot of pace and can cut good lines uh, he, he seems to struggle with more than sort of straight hard running uh a straight hard running centers and i mean just on your just to just on your first point though before we before we move on to selection like i i agree that hooper is, just, is responsible for you know appointing a defensive coach and that should have been done but for me I, i'd caveat that i think it's a little bit harsh blaming him for you know the 50 points against wasps and then the 48 points against against Bristol because as, as you said at the start of this, this discussion there's there are times when the player has to take responsibility for like individual basic errors missed tackles completely I completely agree and, and also or, I'm not saying I don't want to say lack of effort but I want to say when Bath's heads go down way too easily and we start looking um, not like we're not interested but we start looking um, much more passive we don't, we're not backing ourselves we're not communicating um, particularly in defence, and and you know against that Bristol backline, that's um, that, that that's fatal. So I I agree, but I I in in on Friday, um, I think um, you know looking back at that, a lot of the players, particularly in defence, need to have a hard look in the mirror. You know they're representing a club with 160 years experience, 
um, uh, one of the most prestigious clubs in world rugby. And I think they need to have a look at some of the, um, not effort, but um, at some of the kind of body language um, and individual errors that were made. The belief, honestly, some of it's, it's the belief. Like, that's what I, like on the, the point you said there, like heads, heads seem to drop. Like it seems to be a turning point every match where you, like I'm sat there watching the game thinking, oh, like it, it, it's inevitable. I know what's coming here. Like yeah. he actually looks pretty good for the first three minutes. I was like, wow. I mean, the boys, the boys have showed up. I mean, I, I might, I, you know, perhaps Gabriel's optimism isn't 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 just complete fantasy. You know, uh, you know, are, are we actually potentially going to put in a good performance and sneak this by a point? Um, but and uh, we, yeah, we we looked, we looked, we looked hungry. We we uh, they looked like there was a bit of intent about everyone, and then suddenly there was that one moment where uh, who was it? Uh, Henry Purdy sort of um, went for an interception and. Wayne Barnes said that the ball had gone backwards, of which then he picked up the ball and they run down to the other end of the pitch. We give away a penalty, then they end up scoring off uh, a couple of phases later after the line out. Um, and then you just, and you thought, oh, that's, we've been so unlucky there. I mean, I, I, I mean 99 times out of it, 99 times out of 100, that's, that's given us a knock on, a penalty, and possibly a yellow card. We, um, we just we just react so you're right. We just react so poorly when stuff doesn't go our way. Yeah, Gee, and honestly, this, this is basically dropped. This is basically me and Charlie having conversations. So I'll, I want to I want to bring you in, but I just want to I'll, I'll just ask you a question. I'll put a question to you. I was well, I'll, sorry, Tom. I just can I just finish off the the, the point that you kind of this all started with about the the kind of why why it's so different now to to the post lockdown. And I think I think Bath are kind of I think on both occasions fans have overreacted to a really small sample size. So I think eight games, we played really well, but undoubtedly stuff went with us in terms of who we selected against who and um, kind of that amazing comeback against Gloucester. We played really well in certain periods of games and kind of just stuff went our way. And we massively overreacted to that eight-game period. And now another seven-game period, and we've massively overreacted because, you know, we've had COVID issues we've had injury issues like stuff hasn't gone our way the other way and I think on both occasions bar fans and, and us included definitely us kind of more than most people have kind of overreacted to both and I think the actual level of this bath team is kind of somewhere in between and it is somewhere kind of in sixth place where we've been for the last kind of three years four years I think since kind of Blackadder you know, we had that Mike Ford season where it all unraveled and then Blackadder took over and kind of stabilised the club a little bit. And I think we're still at that level of kind of fifth, sixth place. And we overachieved at the back end of, of last season and we're underachieving now, certainly. And I think kind of as the season progresses, I think we will find kind of a levelling out of, of where we are as a club. And I think that will ultimately be around sixth or seventh. And I know that's disappointing because we did overreact to that 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 eight game period Tom but I think we it showed kind of against Exeter where we actually were and I think once again we're reacting and stuff's not going our way but I think ultimately we're kind of in between those two areas so that's well, what I'm kind of say about but why gee why should we settle for sixth or seventh we're like, settle for sixth or seventh no Tom. but why why gee why is why is that where we should level out in your words because we've got we've got 22 internationals out of 36 players four Lions all the resources, great coaches. Why should Bath fans settle for... No, I, I'm not saying we should settle for that, but I'm saying that that is where the club is. 
So I think the answer to the question, why are we so different now than before? I just think it was two really small sample sizes. Yeah. Kind of where we actually are as a club, hugely disappointingly so, is about sick. I, I agree. I, I agree the sample sizes are small. And what gets me when people talk about, um, you know, replacing Stuart Hooper is that, let's not forget, he's had one full season, which was disrupted by COVID, in charge, and we finished fourth. That's the statistic. People are so reticent to give Hooper credit when stuff went right, and potentially we overperformed, as you say. And now, when stuff starts to go wrong, um, people are so quick to, to kind of to, to get on his back. And I, I, I do feel for him, for him, for him personally. Um, but, gee, I don't know, maybe we disagree on this, but I, I think looking at the performances that we have shown... And obviously there are variables and there are, there are things, there are excuses that you can point out this season and things that went our way last season. But I think, and defence is the main thing that I, I, I'm looking at, I, I think we are um, simply not playing at the level that, that we were. No, we aren't obviously playing at the level we are, but but I think we're overperforming then and we're underperforming now. I think that is the reason for such a vast discrepancy between the two between the two. Um, levels of like the two kind of results on on the pitch and I think Gabriel sorry it's like I understand what you're saying but at the same time like look at the tools and the pieces that we've got last last season like the, the end of last season that wasn't that wasn't overachieving I don't think that that is that is where we should be Look at what we've got, the facilities we've got, the players we've got. That is where we should be. I mean, I, I agree that's where we should be around there. This and this is this is. I mean, you're talking about leveling out in the middle. If we were, if we us finishing sixth is underachieving. So us being right down at the bottom of the table is is, is beyond underachieving. So of course, they, of, of course, we should be Charlie. We like this this playing squad should be a lot higher. But I think the actual level of what we're getting from this playing squad and this this coaching staff is around the middle of the two small sample sizes we've seen. And I agree that's not acceptable given the facilities and given the players. But I think that's the reality of the situation. I think we're, we're all talking about the same thing, right? We're talking about why there is a difference between last yeah. season. You're, set, you're, you're talking about overperforming and underperforming versus like what the kind of long-term average we've seen from Bath is. But what what what's the reason of from of the difference? I think is 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 kind of what what we're getting at. And I'll, I'll put a point to you, G, and see what you think. So we we spoke about Bath. They're so easy to demoralise, um, and we are we seem so mentally fragile the whole time. Um, and again, another thing I was um, uh, kind of going off on random thought experiments, thinking about uh, you know what's gone wrong with this team. Um, and, and what do you think, G? So uh, my contention would be um, that ultimately we are and we have been governed by a team of second places, um, people who haven't won in a long time in, in, in what they've been doing. Um, Todd Blackadder came over. Um, hadn't won a trophy with the Crusaders for six or seven years, despite having all the players that, that he had at his disposal. Stuart Hooper, um, similar, never really um, uh, or had silverware as, or never had silverware as, as Bath captain, um, kind of was, was there or thereabouts in some season when he played. Neil Hatley, head coach, came directly in from ultimately a, a second place runners-up, um, you know, uh, role as head coach for, um, for England. Um, and and do you, do you think that that is the reason? Um, and and that you know that that's kind of one of the factors that that that, that, that is causing us to be so um, easy. It's so it's so kind of 
what I guess what I'm trying to say is is that is that kind of the, the top down culture that is being set that that causes our heads to drop so easily um, and for us to kind of compound the errors um, and and kind of um, uh, you know perform really badly when stuff kind of starts to go against us in games. Maybe, but then Gervin Dempsey is a guy who I think would be top of the list of, of people we we would expect maybe to to be under most pressure at Bath, and he was he's probably the most successful in terms of actually winning stuff in both his playing career and his coaching career of anyone. I don't think necessarily that kind of that correlates. I think. And we also won Six Nations with England. I mean, you could, yeah, you, you yeah. came second in the World Cup, but running, being a runner-up in the World Cup is a pretty good achievement in itself, you know. Mm. I, I don't know about that, Tom. I, I think... No, that... I, I don't necessarily think that. I just... Uh... Well, look, look, I mean, what, what, what I do think, slightly, is we're, we're missing someone, be that in the coaching staff or in the playing staff, that is just an inspiration to the team like someone someone who who sort of has that has that fire in their belly that that that's i mean as the french would say the je ne sais quoi uh, that just gives it just gives the boys something to just just something that has got that that driving force even yeah. when even when we are under the cosh and we're up against it that's something that just like picks you up off the floor and makes you want to do it i mean it, it's something that looking at the opposition pat lamb has that in spades like he 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 just seems to like ignite some of the players that that, that come under him Everyone is just seems to be inspired when they come away from talking about him. When he talks on the TV, he gives off that aura of oh. of of no, yeah, he does. He does, Gabriel. I, I, yeah, I'm sure that this is making you feel sick to the stomach. But Stuart Hooper does. Well, does he when you watch him when you watch him in, the, in an interview? Does he give you anything other than straight bat and cliches and excuses? And he's sort of monotone. I mean. But, but Charlie, like, I, I, I it, it that. Like that a lot of the coaches. This, this is what this is what Stuart Hooper was kind of brought in to do, and so I, I I completely agree that that's what we need. But this kind of this expression isn't there that, that people kind of band around as like leader of men, which I always find a very strange expression. But that's what Stuart Hooper was brought in to to be, and I can only imagine I can only imagine that there must be a different side to Stuart Hooper to what we see in the media, because if this is kind of if if this is the leader of men, that the, the guy that we see in the press is that if that's the leader of men which which Bruce Craig entrusted his multi-million pound business to then what was he on yeah. in the interview like, he needs he needs to show different. some character I mean as 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 as, as fans like, he, he needs to show us some some character yeah, or something like, show us show us what you are showing the players sort of because because I mean that is why I think so many people are calling for this Hooper out. Look, I, I'm 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 so borderline. I've gone through kind of the, the, my, through my seven stages of grief. I've gone yeah. through from sort of the denial stage of saying no, well, look, we need continuity at the top. We can't just be cutthroat like, like like a football team or whatever, where you just you want you want lightning in a, in a bottle, as, as you said, Gabriel, on the last podcast. I think you need some continuity, and you need to be able to build a squad, and that takes time. Like you can't just create a good team overnight, and you've got to think about. You can't just think short term. We were one of the best teams in in the league, and we were playing some of the best rugby we have in years at the end of last season. But it's just we need something that Probably. shows us. Let's let's come on to the like the Hooper discussion because we haven't like we we discussed it a bit, but I think that's the important. 
I think you're absolutely. I think the media point um, and the the fans point is a is a really really good one. Um, I think you touched on the interviews and Stuart Hooper literally standing there by the by the by the camera, the microphone, just ticking off um, the old um, management book kind of uh, slogans that, that that he reels off, and it's not exactly inspiring. And and I completely agree with you. I think that's one of the reasons that there is so much negativity on social media. Cooper and around Bath, probably the most that I can ever remember seeing, including, um, you know, just prior to, to Blackadder, um, Blackadder leaving. I think the, the other related, um, related points, um, uh, the other related kind of aspects to that, um, is that the club are just so bad at providing cl- fans with any clarity around A, injuries, you know, where's Tom Ellis, where is Max Green, we don't know where these guys are coming back and then they appear Lewis on the bench. Boyce. Yeah, Lewis Boyce. Where are these guys? Lewis Spencer. We don't get any clarity uh, from the club, which we, we deserve to, to have. And the second, thing, the second thing, and I think this season has maybe been a bigger issue and that's, that's signings. We know Zach Mercer, um, it was mentioned on BT Sport as being done, um, you know, uh, who are a direct partner with, with these clubs uh, his replacement was all confirmed for South Africa. We knew about Tian, we knew that Tian Skuman was in the in the country. And this sort of thing, this sort of lack of clarity with fans, coupled with um this persona that we see on the media, I think really undermines confidence and kind of stokes up frustration um amongst ultimately yeah. paying fans who deserve, it causes, it causes deserve that, that kind of clarity. And I think that in turn, that and all the negativity on social media, it must be rubbing off on the players and on the coaches and kind of wider support staff. I, I agree with yeah, you. I think that's what that's I was right. saying last week when, when yeah. I was saying that this lack of clarity is just, it's incredible. I, I just don't understand it. And it's so frustrating. Easy, it's I went on a easy, rant about this. Easy fix, I, easy I, Tom, I know. And, and, I, and, and, and the caginess in the media kind of just builds and builds and builds and builds in fans. And then as soon as there is, you know, as soon as there's a chink in the armor, as soon as there's a bad performance, they're like, bang, let's fly into this guy because we've built up all this frustration and that he's not giving us anything and he doesn't seem like he's doing anything. And as soon as there's an opportunity to pile on him, they he gets absolutely nailed, absolutely nailed in socials. Yeah. At the same time, all I'm gonna say, I mean, look, I, I agree with you and I'm flipping angry. Uh, trying to choose the right. You can't, can't see Charlie. You can't see Charlie, but his uh, um, his his, his face is. Uh, I've never seen your face this red, Charlie. <laughs> Good bit of red wine I've just been drinking. Tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, at the same time, like if I was a coach, I would not be wanting to even consider taking a bath job because uh, the, it does seem like one of the clubs over recent years who seems to just be... I'll like, have it. They're listening, I'll have it. Well, I was going to say, like, it can't get much worse, can <laughs> it? Like, that, I'll take it. Do you, Charlie, do you think, where do you stand on, um, you know, what's been, uh, uh, like, discussed, obviously, at length social media? Do you think change at the top? Would you? What would you do if you were Bruce Craig or McDonald? Oh, I don't know. Like in regards to Hooper, yeah, I'll probably, I'm probably on, yeah. Like if <laughs> I don't know, I, I've, I flirted with both sides of the fence this weekend, um, but uh, I'd probably keep him 
for you know for you know, he's 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 as as Gabriel pointed out he's a one full season in charge and he's finished fourth I mean it's the best we've had in a long time mm-hmm. and uh, but at the same time I think look he is he's he's the top man a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. falls with him a good chunk of it does fall with the players but I think he needs to make some he needs to make some tough decisions around some of the coaching staff who are there uh, and some of the and perhaps some of the players I mean perhaps some of them are, are getting too comfortable and, and not they haven't got that hunger or, or belief in the team yeah. and I think there might have to be some yeah there needs to be some tough calls made and he's going to be the man to make them no one else can it's so, to do those but, mid-season though Charlie isn't it like especially yeah, yeah, it's, 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 we've got at the moment yeah. like, what can he do can he get rid of a, def- a coach now can he it's not easy Gabe but someone's got to turn around we could announce uh, the, we, 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 we're going to talk about them later but um, uh, Harlequin seems to have made uh, a tough decision they seem to they went and turned over um, one of the best teams in the league by a handsome margin but anyway I, mean, I think that was I, more him being fed up with in, in Gustard's case him being fed up and just spinning it off but I, I can't see you for doing no. that but yeah I, I agree and I think kind of listening back Tom to the podcast we did on, on, on Friday night I think I stressed then that Hatley should be taking a considerable more amount of the blame than I think he was from Bath fans on social media and I recognise that the Bath fans on social media is a really small section of Bath fans but it's kind of all you can get to go on when you're not meeting them in, in, in pubs and so I think it's still important to stress that but I think maybe we, I didn't stress that that by no means is Hooper not to blame for this he, he undoubtedly takes a big chunk of, of this blame because he is the man at the top I was just trying to point out that you know there is other kind of areas of 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 of, of, of Bath that need to be blamed for that but yeah absolutely yeah. Charlie he he picks the coaches ultimately and so he should should take the the, the rap for that and, and I think it's difficult kind of without the clarity around who does what it really is difficult to to, to blame um to, to know where to focus the blame because as you as you kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast Charlie it'd be really nice to know who picks the players like I don't know I assume it's Hatley I think yeah I don't know who who picks that who picks that 23 kind of is Hooper deliberately putting himself in front of the media to take deflect the blame from his coaches or is that something that his coaches don't want or is that something that like it would just be nice to know kind of a bit more clarity and also to kind of hear a bit more from the guys below Hooper, I think, Tom. Also, you talk, you talk about guys like Pat Lamb, um, you know, Rob Baxter, who in front of the media um, are much more natural. Um, you know, they've been in the game uh, a lot, uh, you know, a, a, a lot longer. Um, and Neil Hatley is exactly that kind of guy. You know, he's a, he's a fairly charismatic uh, charismatic guy. He's, he's been there and done it in rugby. Whereas Stuart Hooper... You know, he's very, very new. He's not, he won't have had much exposure to, to the media really in the grand scheme of things and only at one club, um, you know, in, in Bath. So why not take the pressure off Hooper, put Hatley in front, who will be comfortable doing that, um, having done it in previous roles and kind of give the fans something different and potentially some more fresh and um, edifying um, edifying answers. The, other, the only other point I, I want to make is that you know, Hooper, we, we think of Hooper as, as the top of the tree um, and that's why the buck stops with him. But ultimately, you've got Tarquin McDonald, who is, who's Chief Executive Officer. He's been in place since 2017. Ultimately, along with, with Craig as owner, he would, have, he would have been the guy that pulled the trigger on Todd Blackadder. 
and is also the guy that made the decision to um, end Blackadder's contract early and bring in Hooper a year earlier than was kind of set out in that um, in that letter to supporters. So um, if people are saying that Hooper's too inexperienced and it's too early, um, you know, ultimately, I think that McDonald, who came in as CEO in 2017, um, he is someone that I imagine will be, um, you know, having some fairly difficult conversations with 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 some of his superiors as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Tom. And I, I think we've kind of done that one, boys. I think we all know um, kind of where we stand. And I think, yeah, it, I think pressure is building. Um, and I think we may, we may see a, a, a change. Uh, where that change comes, Charlie, I, I think um, we will see. One thing that will change, lads, uh, from next season is Bath going to have a new guy in number eight shirt. Um, Zach Mercer... Can, Thanks, Charlie. Zach Mercer, it was confirmed um, earlier this evening, we recorded on Monday evening, um, that he would be leaving to join Montpellier, uh, who saw that news coming, and Jacko Kutsia, the 24-year-old South African, would be joining from next season as well. Um, Tom, I'll come to you first. Let's focus initially on Zach Mercer leaving. I know we, we kind of expected this to come but now it's confirmed by the club just how disappointed are you I'm gutted um yeah I, I really am like I like I said when we first discussed it I feel like he has been a shining light um in in so many dismal um bath performances um he's so often been the guy that we've turned to and said you know this is a guy that we can back for years and years to come and that we should be you know um uh he should be central in our squad for, for hopefully his whole career. So it's very disappointing. I think reading, we didn't have any clarity at that point. I think reading some of the interviews with Mercer and Hooper, um, it sounds like ultimately it was an offer that was made to him by Montpellier that Bath just weren't in a position to, to match. And like I say, he's not had a look in with England, um, uh, wrongly in my opinion, uh, when guys like Don Brandt um, uh, uh, have done and, and Lewis Ludlam. Um, uh, and... Uh, for me, like you know, it's, it's a short career. He'll go away. He'll have a new. He'll have, he'll have new experiences. Uh, I imagine he'll absolutely tear it up in the in the top fourteen. Um, and then you know, hopefully, as I say, hopefully it's not goodbye. It's um, au revoir, as they would say over there. And we'll we'll see him again in the bath shirt. Well, well just do that, uh, do that second bit in French, Tom. Uh, well, <laughs> we missed our annual uh, trip to France this year, so unfortunately the French are a bit rusty. <laughs> just, uh, just to let you know, I mean, while we've been doing this podcast, saw it come through that uh, Todd's, uh, not Todd Blackadder, Stuart Hooper, and oh, that would be that would be a twist. <laughs> yeah, Christ, <laughs> um, uh, they both sat down together and uh, spoken about his reasons for leaving. And I quote Zach Mercer said, it has been a long-standing dream of mine to play in France. The game is physical and will suit my playing style. I feel like I'm able to offer the top 14 something different, and that is what I'm looking forward to. Spent a huge part of my career with blue, black and white, and will be forever grateful for the opportunities this has brought me. I found it impossible to say no uh, to an offer of a long-term contract and a bloody load of money. Um, (laughs) That was not quoted. Uh, With Montpellier, and I'm very grateful to have respectful and honest conversations every step of the way in hoops. It's a brilliant group of young players and staff at Bath, and I will know they go on to achieve great things together. Yeah. Well, 
pretty, it's, pretty it's, standard, but look, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, think, think, I think there are some things you can take from that though, Charlie, and, and whether that's come from Zach Mercer or, 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 or not, I, I don't know, but if, if I, th- I assume it has, and, and I think no, there that's, that's quote, I can, that is quote for quote what he's, he's yeah, said. Yeah, I, I, I was reading as well, but obviously, yeah, he is kind of, it could be paraphrased for, for the thing, but, but I think if that is true, I think there are some things you can take from that. I think, it's clear that that he's been offered a lucrative contract, long term contract at Melbourne, and he's yeah. not. Yeah, and he's not in England's hopes, and he's twenty three, and he can come back and then be in England's hopes. And I think also it's clear that this decision is not based on a kind of belief that Bath isn't going anywhere. And I think that kind of rhetoric, which was being um, widely spoken about on socials is 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 kind of put to bed with those quotes i i can't imagine oh. that's the case and it's put it's put it's put to bed for now but i mean if you know we see elliot Stuke, if we see guys leave to english clubs elliot stuke um for example is one guy that's that's been spoken about then i think that conversation has to be had again yeah and that's fine but we haven't so yeah. i uh, yeah all i'd say is that you can't you can't blame the guy at all uh, I mean, he's he's not getting looking with England. It's probably going to be a fantastic move for him. I tell you what, <laughs> if someone offered me a job down in the south of France right now, I would take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, mean, I just want to get out of the house. I just, anything, anything. I'll, I'll take a pay cut to go. Just, just please give me something to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll go. Look, he's 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 going to be spending his summer sipping rosé on the Mediterranean. Like, oh, please. Just, just, Mate, just bring think, me there. <laughs> I think with the quant- the quantity of red wine that you're drinking at the moment, I think you'd fit in really well with Montpellier's uh, uh, training and nutrition program. Yeah, I probably would. I just, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a job going for uh, yeah for their for their nutrition sure. specialist. Yeah, you need you need to up the cheese consumption, but other than that, I think. Oh, I'm I'm there. I'm, you're I'm profe- you're hitting professional Montpellier levels. I think. <laughs> Right, let's let's. Let, well, I think we've spoken a lot about Mercer, so let's talk about his replacement then, lads. Twenty-four-year-old um, Jacko Kutsia, another South African signing. Um, Charlie, this is going some to to get the fifty percent homegrown quota by twenty twenty-two or whatever it was. Another South African through the door. I don't think we knew a lot about the other two that have recently come in. Um, judging by your face, I don't think you know a lot about this guy either. Well, I I don't watch much. Um, I don't watch much. Um, uh, yeah, Super Rugby, uh, especially seeing as South Africa weren't even involved in anything this year. Uh, I, I don't think we've we've seen many. You know, other than those playing in the Premiership, we don't think we've seen many South African players playing since the World Cup. Um, yeah, so they're they're playing in the in a in a Curry Cup sort of situation against each other. I think there's like eight. Yeah. Provincial sides and a few like a few clubs. Oh, yeah, that was some of the. I think that was some of the only rugby on this these past few weekends. But um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't tune in. But I, I watched some highlights um, when it was finally announced uh, in shortly before the last. And what I can say is he looked powerful. He's mm. he's a powerful hard ball carrier by the looks of things. Uh, he seems to suck in about with three defenders with every carry. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, if, if that will be something that fits into Bath's uh, Bath's game plan. We we need powerful hard ball carriers, and it, he'll he'll be around for you know twenty two games of the season. So, um, yeah, oh. uh, that's that's certainly a positive. But I'll awesome. yeah, I, I yeah I, I agree. I think he's almost in the Ben Earl, um, Sam Simmons kind of yeah. Sort of unshape of player uh, from the highlights I've seen. 
with, with these YouTube highlights, it's very easy to look very good because all they show is when you score tries or um, make outrageous offloads. But um, I think, yeah, he looks quick. He looks really powerful. He looks to be, um, you know, a really good offloader, uh, as with most Southern Hemisphere players. And like you say, this, we spoke about the sale model, the Gloucester model. He'll be around um, hopefully most of the year. I noticed he, in his last game, picked up a, an injury, which they which kind of looked like it potentially could be be serious. So um, hopefully he kind of recovers quickly from that and comes kind of comes kind of raring to go. Um, yeah, I'm happy that we've we've kind of signed a, a 24 year old. I, I mean, I know that might be silly to say, but it doesn't yeah. seem as though it's kind of the end of his his, his career in a way, and he's coming um, kind of. To, to out to pasture for, for for a bit of extra cash, which isn't available in South Africa. It seems like this guy is coming into the prime of his career. So yeah, yeah I, I, I think I'm excited by by this guys and pleased that there is a, a replacement. You know, we've seen in the past, particularly at fly half, that when we lose a guy, there's like a long drawn out process to find the right guy. And it feels like we we've kind of gone for one here, uh, and we won't have that hole to fill for for kind of years to come. So yeah, gutted to see Zach go, but. Um, excited by it by this one I think boys so um yeah he's played in a six jersey quite a few times as well by the looks of things good um, so, yeah. good. so it, it'll fit in nicely with Talupi Falatau perfect um <laughs> something boys that I'm maybe not looking forward to as much as I'm seeing looking forward to seeing Jakku Kutsia play is 2.15 on Saturday the blue black and white run back out um against Quinns Charlie, on Friday night, I think myself and Tom circled this one as as kind of an easy one to get back on the horse with. After the events at the Rico Arena on Sunday, it, it kind of looks like we might be bucked off that horse. Yeah, honestly, uh, I, there I was I was sickened to the core watching uh, the Bath Bristol game on Friday night. I wasn't far off watching uh, watching Quinns running. 40 odd points against Wasps and thinking, oh my God, I think we're going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It seems like they, they've had a sort of knee jerk reaction, uh, kind of a sort of honeymoon period, if you, as some people put it, um, when, when you, when you have a change of, uh, you know, either when you have a new signing or you have a change in the coaching staff and there seems to be this sort of, uh, boost of positivity around the club and they put in a fantastic performance, uh, that can often last a few games. So we might just, you know, it maybe it's just, it's just, you know, when it rains, it pours um, with Bath. And um, yeah, uh, if, they, if they play like they did um, on Sunday, then yeah, we're, we're in for it. We're in for another tough podcast come, uh, <laughs> come the following Monday. But um, whether they can back it up, I mean, if there's one club in the league that's more inconsistent than Bath, it's Harlequins. So um, uh, that is potentially the silver lining. Yeah, I find myself, um, you know, usually uh, the, the cliche that I'm sure Stuart is in Stuart Hooper's um, book of interview uh, quotes that focus on ourselves, not the opposition. But looking at this game, I find myself focusing on Quins and hoping that um, in kind of typical fashion, they um, back up uh, an unbelievable performance with, uh, with, a, with a bit of a dire display because um, even if they do, I think it will be a, a scrappy, um, uh, probably fairly, fairly kind of um, grim um, kind of affair of two teams that ultimately haven't been in form over, over recent months. Um, 
and I think it goes back to your point, G, and, and, and what concerns me is there's, there is momentum being, um, admittedly just on social media, but that's where the voices shout loudest. There is momentum and a bit of a snowball effect, um, I think, being created of, of fans that want to see change. And I think that, the, as you know, with your beloved uh, Manchester United, I think um, what you need to silence that is a strong, a strong performance, um, ideally, but ultimately just a win. And that is, that's, that's what we need. You know, we go up to the AJ Bell to play Sale the following week, which is on a Friday night, which is always a, an extremely tough game. Um, so yeah, it, GS, um, for me, it's, it's just key that however we do it, uh, we get the win. Yeah, I don't think people have turned off in their droves as much as they have, Tom, when you just told them that I was a Manchester United fan. I'm sure that's going to go down well. But um, believe me when I tell you, uh, consistency at the top is a good thing, having watched that rabble over the past five years. But um, yeah, Tom, I, 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 I agree. <laughs> a win is just so, so important on, on Saturday. I don't really care how it comes. We've spoken previously about the need for a bonus point and, and this, that and the other. But you predicted a 9-3 win against Bristol, I think. Um, I'd take... Well, I, got, I got one half of that equation right there. <laughs> I'd, I'd, take a, I'd, I'd take a 9-3 win, certainly, yeah. um, against Harlequins on Saturday afternoon. 2.15 kickoff, uh, England game at 2.45. So a nice Saturday afternoon there uh, for, Bath, for Bath and England fans, hopefully. Um, but a few guys that, that really stood out for me, Tom, in that game for Harlequins on Sunday against Wasps. Joe Marlow at loose head prop was, was, was relentless. He won them countless scrum penalties and, and looked kind of back to his carrying best. Will Evans, the, the seven, kind of a new name, I think, for, for, for a lot of rugby fans, was a menace at the breakdown, not only in, in making turnovers and securing Harlequin's quick ball, but also just in slowing um, Wasp's ball down. On so many occasions, he just did enough to slow the ball down, which allowed Harlequin's defence to get back in line and then dominate the line speed. And, and kind of in contrary to that, he was him and, and, and the rest of the, the back row there for the Harlequins were, were, were clearing out the breakdown so quickly for Danny Kerr, which allowed him uh, uh, and then the key to their team, Marcus Smith, to just dictate terms. We need to have a, a strong performance, Tom, from, from our back row. Uh, I can imagine we'll go with Bayliss and Reed again and Mercer. So those two kind of traditional sevens need to dominate that back row, slow uh, that back row battle, slow Harlequins ball down, speed our ball up and then get to, to Marcus Smith and cut him down because if he ticks, that Harlequins team to me looks like like, like it can can be anyone and if he doesn't tick, they, they look terrible. So he's the key and our back row getting to him will be the key. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It um, uh, made me think of kind of the comment that you've made, um, you know, fairly consistently over the last few weeks. I mean, Marcus Smith, um, who is absolutely outstanding and he's, uh, he's, a, he's just fantastic um, fantastic talent, one of the best tens in in the league, and the best of that that young bunch of guys coming through, in my 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 opinion. But there are, you know, he was giving his debut at, at eighteen. Um, you know, Omaga has been given his debut as well, very very young, and has been preferred to Lima Sopawaga, who is the obviously the big money fly half uh, for Wasps. Um, and then looking to Bristol, Owen Lloyd at nineteen, being really backed by Pat Lamb with Callum Sheedy available. And um, given the opportunity in, in that tenure, and you know Owen Lloyd, only five months older, G than Orlando Bailey. Um, Bailey clearly very highly rated. You know went through the age groups and, and looks, you know looks dynamite. So um, 
I just love to see us, us, you know, whether it's Quinns this week, but I just love to see us take a page out of that kind of book and just give, um, you know, give Orlando Bailey um, a bit of a run, um, give him his opportunity. Ultimately, this this league's potentially gonna, um, you know, not gonna not gonna matter in terms of you know relegation. So give him a go um, and and kind of back him. Um, but also on that 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 number ten shirt, G for me, it has to be Tian Schumann mm. coming. Has to be, you know, we've we've seen what Reese Breeson can bring, and at times it's been it's been great, and I've no doubt that he's you know, he's very talented at, at what he does. But we need a change in that in that back line. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd really really like to see see him him giving a go. Yeah, the only other guy I had. Uh, well, Rick, what about this, Tom? No, no on. Cam and, and no Talupe Falata, obviously, whilst they're available from the bench for the Bristol game. Uh, clearly, they won't be available given the Six Nations commitments they have. So how about this then, Tom? Uh, Batty, uh, Dunn, Judge, McNally, Williams, Batty. Uh, Jamie Barty, is it? Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, McNally, Williams, Bayliss, Mercer and Reid in the back row. Halfbacks of Spencer and Tian Schumann. Centres of Max Wright and Jonathan Joseph. And a back three of Joe Thokinasiga, De Glanville, and Gabe Webb. What about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. Who did you have in the second row? Not, not Elliot Stuke. No, I mean, Nally and Williams. I thought Williams brought a, a, quite a nice physical edge on well, Saturday night. I agree, mate. I thought the guys that came on, you know, Stuart Hooper mentioned the two second rows having to go off. I thought Falatau and Williams were the two of the standout guys who are who are the guys that mm. that have gone for that. Yeah, I, I could. Um, I could, uh, I could definitely get behind that team. I think if that if that's the team we pick, it's a big uh, defensive challenge out wide for Hammerweb and for Thokanasiga, who's who's been struggling. You know, Quinn's look really clinical, and with Smith, um, unbelievable hands that he has. Um, uh, you know, he should be the new golden wrist, not Cipriani, um, with his with his kind of distributing um, and a very dangerous young winger in in Lewis Liner. Um, who I thought was 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 really good on on Sunday. Um, it'll be very important defensively that they communicate um, and and kind of hold their men, commit to the tackles, um, and not kind of get too narrow. Um, if, if if that's the side we go for, Jay. Yeah, because I think one area they definitely exploited uh, against Wasps was the the fragility of that Wasps back three. Not only defensively, as you say, Tom, out wide, but also from um, kicks in the air from both Smith and Kerr. So uh, clearly the back three there would be inexperienced if we went for the one that I've picked. But I think Tom de Glanville's actually shown that he's so secure under there. Kind of That seems to be one of his greatest attributes. So hopefully he can put up a bit more of a fight than the the um, pitiful Lima Sapoanga on, on Sunday. How do you see this one going then, Tom? Uh, I'll, for, I will just pull behind the curtain slightly. Charlie quickly had to jump off his this call. Um, he's gone Bath to turn it around and win by 10. Tom, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I, this, this, this feels like a must win to me. And, you know, it feels like hopefully Quinns have had their backlash following the, the Gustav departure um, and hopefully we see a real backs against the wall Bath team um, who know how important it is to, uh, to 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 get a victory and to try and um, you know ultimately not silence but ultimately um, um, re you know win back some of the support that that, that fans have fans have shown them. Um, I think we, we've certainly got the the side to do it despite being being hampered by uh, by internationals. G uh, you know for me that's. That's, that's no real excuse. There's still plenty of, 
of quality um, of quality in the squad. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I think at home, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fancy it. Queens are notoriously very poor on the road. So I'll go Bath by um, by six points. I think it's going to be close and I think there won't be many um, fingernails um, with, with, BA, with BA postcodes after the game. Yeah, Bath by six, Bath by ten. That sounds good to me. I, I, I think key to this game, Tom, is we need some some leadership. I think we lacked that hugely on Friday night, particularly when McNally and Stoop went off. Now, McNally and Stoop both failed HIAs, so they obviously in question to, to play this week. And so I think the leadership of Ben Spencer is, is key this week. He's spoken, we've spoken about how he's wanted to bring that to the game. So a big performance from, from Ben Spencer against Danny Kerr and Bath to win by, Bath by eight. I'll split the difference between you boys and, uh, and kind of, yeah, to, to, to silence and, and calm down a few uh, nervous Bath fans out there. Because don't forget, ring fencing's not been announced yet and, and Bath in 10th, not far off local rivals Gloucester with that game to come in three weeks time so we need a win here Tom um, fingers crossed we get it absolutely mate thanks very much for listening again about whatever yeah we'll be back uh, thick or thin same time same place yeah and I will mention Tom that uh, I know on Saturday you did some hard graft and got us on Spotify so we now, now are available on Spotify and hopefully now we are available wherever you get your podcast so um, if there was that Bath friend who couldn't get us because he listens or she listens to their podcasts on Spotify then let them know that we are now there um, spread the word Uh, subscribe, rate and stick behind the boys. I know it's tough, but through thick and thin.